Dear God, I thank you, Lord, for David, for, for coming here, for representing the ministry of Rafa House. And Lord, I know some people here are, are uh, familiar with it. And Lord, it's, it's great you know, for, you know, for me to get to, get to know more about this uh, ministry in depth. Uh, thank you, Lord. Lord, continue to bless David. And uh, Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will speak through him. And dear God, help us as we uh, deal with a, uh, a difficult topic and, and help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, give, empower us and counsel us and give us the, the guidance on, on how we can respond and do something not only to protect our kids, our families, but uh, those of the kids and families around us as well. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, glad to be with you guys tonight. Um, I want to share with you this. I'm two and a half years into this thing, and I feel like I'm not an expert. So when I share with you, I feel like I'm still a novice in this. So I want you to take what I have tonight as the start of a conversation, because the information continues to develop, continues to change. So the point of education is to be more educated than you were. But know this, you're never going to know everything. But this is my favorite thing to share with people when I go out because they're like, man, this is such a big thing. You know, 45.8 million slaves. How do I help this? How do I do anything about this? And it's, here's the deal. If you have one thing that you know for sure, then you have one thing that you can share. If you have one thing that you know for sure, then you have one thing to share. You don't have to know everything on a topic to share. I'm a novice. This lady here, this lady who wrote this book, Opal, she's an expert. And she kicks my butt. <laughs> I mean, there is no comparison to the knowledge that Opal has to what I have. Most of what I have has been taught to me by Opal. She's an expert. But I'm a novice. But guess what? Just because I'm not an expert in the field doesn't mean I don't get to share. And so, as we work hard to research uh, and to develop things, uh, strategies, educational pieces to help you guys as parents and you as students reach out to your world that is currently under attack, we can just do it together. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to know one thing to share one thing. You just have to know one thing to teach one thing. And that's important for you guys to understand out of tonight. If you grab one thing, one topic, one section, and say, man, I'm really going to get good at this then you've made progress, and our time is valuable, valuable. So I just want you to know that before we get into a whole lot of other stuff. Um, human trafficking, basic definition is this. One human owns or exploits another through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Okay, so human trafficking, when one human owns or exploits another through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. How many of you have seen uh, uh, the movie Taken? Anybody? Liam Neeson, kicking butt, taking names, right? Liam Neeson's like a boss. Um, if you don't know who that is, you need to, because uh, you always want him on your side. Um, you never want him against. So there's this girl, his daughter, in the movie, Taken. She gets taken. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, I know, right? So she and a friend, actually she and a, uh, cousin, no, her and a friend were going to a cousin's house in Paris. Didn't tell daddy. Didn't tell daddy exactly where they were going. They were kind of mystical about the whole thing. Why do you think that was? She didn't trust him. She didn't trust him to say yes. 
because she knew it was kind of innate in, in her body. Like she knew it was kind of a bad idea. But she thought it was safe enough that she could lie about it. Safe enough. That's something that she would live to regret. Safe enough. What is safe enough to not trust your parents, to not trust somebody? Now, Liam Neeson in this plays a guy who has some connections, um, uh, to say the least. He was some sort of a CIA operative or spy. Or, so I don't, we don't actually know what he did. All we know is what he does to the guys that take his daughter. And it's a lot of messed up stuff. <laughs> he kicks butt and takes names. In fact, there's 45.8 million slaves that wish they had Liam Neeson as a dad. But the reality is, that's not the case. But while he's uh, force, fraud, or coercion, this movie shows us a picture of force. You know, she's under the bed, and she's on the phone with her dad, international call, and she's like, Dad, Dad, you know, like the Hollywood drama starts to pick up. He says, you need to listen very carefully. The next few seconds are, like, really important. And she's like, okay, okay, you're going to be taken. And she's like, ah! you know, try not to be loud, but she's freaking out. You're going to be taken. But then he's like, but you got to tell me these certain things so that I have a shot at finding them. So as they pull her out from the bed, I mean, imagine this. These guys are pulling her out from a bed, grabbing her by her ankles. And I don't know if you ever pulled somebody out of the bed that you were mad at, but think about it like that, like, wham! She screams height, eye color, hair color, while her dad's on the phone listening to the whole process. You want to talk about living with regret? I think that that's, at this point, she wishes that she might have trusted her dad who might have had a little wisdom. Because, by the way, there can be compromise in some situations. Daddy might have gotten a plane ticket too. It sounds like daddy could have made himself invisible and protected him the whole time. You know what I'm saying? They could have gone and enjoyed their U2 tour or whatever they were going to watch. And dad could have just been there to protect. So here's one thing that I want for you guys to understand. Only 2% of trafficking happens like that. This big regret scene. Only 2% happen because of a kidnapping. The rest is happening because we're giving access to our lives to people who are not trustworthy. And most of the time, when we give access to people in our lives who we know are just a little bit shady, we don't usually tell our parents the whole story. How many of you would tell your parents the whole story if you had a new friend that you really wanted to have as a friend, but you knew your parents wouldn't like them? How many of you would tell your parents the whole story? See, <laughs> see I, hey, we think I'm the same wavelength. I'm only like 15 years from you. Man, I am old. 30 is like a big age. There's like a chasm between us. I start talking about Aladdin, and they're like, what? Aladdin? Who's that? How many of you know who Aladdin is? Oh, praise Jesus. There is a God. <laughs> I was at a middle school in Texas, and I, I brought up some Aladdin story. I kicked it from my routine because nobody knew about it. They're like sixth through ninth graders. Nobody knew. Like the, the 10th and 11th graders kind of knew. But you guys aren't going to tell your parents. If there's somebody that you really want to be friends with, 
and you think your parents might be a little meh about it, you're probably not going to want to tell them, are you? Can anybody give me a reason why? They'll say no, okay. Why else? What's deeper than that? Seems like they don't trust you. Why else? So I have more experience with the friend. I know him better. Mom and dad, you don't get it. You don't understand him like I do. By the way, that's the same thing that every abusive relationship has said to their parents. Mom, you just don't know him like I do. Mom, you don't get it. When we're by ourselves, he's so sweet to me. I've heard it every time. But you're right. You do know him better, don't you? They may have better judgment, though. Sometimes when we are striving for acceptance, let's be honest, students and parents, when we are striving for acceptance, our judgment is skewed. And we're no longer thinking clearly up here. Whether that be in the workplace, academic world, at home, extracurricular activities, online. I shared with you about that Texas high school junior high and high school that I shared at, and they didn't know anything about Aladdin, so I felt really old. Um, that same high school, there are 1,300 kids in that high school, roughly, or in that presentation, and I asked them this question, how many of you have a Clash of Clans account? How many of you, it's okay to raise your hand, how many of you have a Clash of Clans? Adults, it's okay to raise your hand too. I do. I rushed my town hall. I like, I hated that I did it. How many of you have ever had one? had one and deleted it or lost it and stopped playing. It's okay. You're totally fine. This is this is trustworthy, safe place right here, okay? I'm a 30-year-old. I have a Clash of Clans account. My name is David. Um, <laughs> now, I was a youth pastor, so we were in a clan with my kids, right, my students. And um, then they went off to college and started having homework, and I'm, like, still rocking it out. You know? like, yeah, Clash of Clans attack, let's go. I had these 1,300 kids. 80 to 85% of them had a Clash of Clans account. That means we got about 1,000 left in the room, right? So 1,000 kids raised their hand. I asked them another question. How many of you play primarily with your close friends? 75% of that raises their hand. So they're in a clan with somebody that they know closely. They would consider them a close friend. So we got 70, 750 kids still raising their hands. I asked those 750, how many of them have never met these close friends that they play with? 50% of the kids, primarily the 12 to 14-year-olds, kept their hands raised. So parents, I want you to understand what this means. This means kids, especially 12 to 14 year olds, have friends online they consider their best friends that they've never met in person. Isn't that crazy? On the game, now I'm not, I'm not killing Clash of Clans for you, I hope, because it's a fun game. I play it. 
But here's the thing. Any game with a global chat has the opportunity for them to have a front door to your house. Anybody to have a front door to your house. Clash of Clans has over 10 million downloads. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, like, it's probably more like 40. I haven't looked at it lately. But it's, it's way more. I mean, active, and they're active players. There's not very many inactive players in Clash of Clans, uh, comparatively. Uh, I used to play a game called The Hobbit. We had the same thing. I have an app on my phone. You guys are going to be like, this guy's a huge nerd. I'm, this is a safe place here, okay? <laughs> safe place. I played Lord of the Rings, and it's a game, uh, or The Hobbit. When, when the new Hobbit movies were coming out, they launched a game called The Hobbit. My name was Multiply. And uh, I recently, well, about two years ago, I, I dropped it because they made it a pay-to-play. You had to, like, win by spending money, and I didn't have money to spend. I was poor. So, so I dropped it like a top, but I still have it on my phone. But in that group, um, I was actually number one in our server for a while. Number one in a server of about 110,000 people. So I was not only on the game, but I was good at it. So people would private message me all the time. This is real stuff. Like, hey, how did you get so good? Hey, can I, can I buy your account from you? I got that question all the time. People just wanted to buy my account. Like, sure, I, I sell it to you and you're still that good? I think not. You're going to run in the ground, man. You're terrible at this game. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was, in, I was a number one player in the number one alliance. And so we rocked the house, the Golden Bears. We had an identity, Right? This is stuff that, man, I would have killed for when I was your age. They didn't have this stuff. I, I, I didn't even have a flip phone until college. You got a flip phone? Knuckles. Ow, not so hard. <clears throat> so there's this app on my phone called Line. just looks like this. And on this, we have strategy rooms. Now, I haven't used this for uh, The Hobbit in two years, two and a half years. But I still chat with people that I met online from Australia, from New Zealand, from Europe, people that were really good and they were in my clan. Now, most of them, I know they're adults. You know, I've seen pictures of their kids. But guess what? That's just what they've told me. That's just what they've told me. And I would have considered these people not best friends because I'm a little cooler and wiser than that. But I spent significant amounts of time in conversation with some of these people. Not just about the game. It's important for us to understand this is the front door to my house. And on, on uh, I don't know about Android devices because I use uh, Apple, but this is a free app. Line is a free app. Kick is a free app. Touch is a free app. I can't think of any. Uh, Meet Me is a free app. Um, there are several apps out there that are free. And I don't know if you've ever typed in your password to download a free app in the App Store, but it asks you this question. Would you like it, or would you like to not have to type your password in for free apps? It asks you that. And if I'm just thinking to myself... Why, yes, I know it's me. I'm not worried about spending money because it's a free app. 
So as long as I have to type my password in to, to spend money, that's fine. Well, guess what? I give this off to my seven, seven-year-old nephew, and now he can download a free app, create a, a profile on Kick, which is, by the way, the most popular use for trafficking uh, ten, 10 to 12-year-old boys. They get them on, on Clash of Clans. They get them to add to a group in Kick. They figure out who's most desperate for attention, who has a bad dad, who is curious of drugs, sexually promiscuous or active, or wants to be active. As soon as they realize all of them, they move on. That takes them 72 hours. Their rollover's quick. I said this morning, these guys are smart. You don't quintuple a business in less than three years if you're dumb. It just doesn't happen. So they've got it down to a machine. And here's what I want you guys to understand. This is the front door to your house. And they're not kidnapping 12 to 14-year-old boys. They're convincing them to send them pictures. There's a bus down in Louisiana, 40,000 40, child pornographic pictures. Primarily obtained the third-party app, Relationship Started on Clash of Clans. That's where he found most of his, most of his victims. Largest pornography sting, child pornography sting, I think, at that point to date. Um, by the way, in the next three years, they're planning on co- connecting all of the interwebs, which is great, right? That means our U.S. servers will no longer just be U.S. servers. It means we'll be connected to China, we'll be connected to Europe, we'll be connected to New Zealand, we'll be connected to Africa, Zimbabwe. That means a lot more access, a lot more ease of trafficking things like pictures and videos. This is a huge deal for you guys. This is your world that you're growing up in. And while there's going to be some amazing tools, there's also going to be some incredible threats. Um, It's no longer worried about walking to or from school. That's what it was for us. I had a specific route I had to walk to and from school. And that's how I got there. Now my parents would have to worry about this. So I want you guys to understand it is important for you to be able to have trust in your parents. And while you're worried about your parents not approving this friend, saying no, maybe it's because you want the approval of your friend. Maybe it's that stuff. But maybe there's a compromise here. Say, hey, Mom, I get this funny feeling about my friend Joe. But I really want to try him out because I think he's a cool guy. Like I, I, I want to be friends with him. Can you help me figure out if he's a good guy for me to be friends with? Now, I don't know about you, but I've spent time with people and watched them change because of the environment that they're in. So parents, here's the other thing. I challenge you, when your kid opens up about a new friend, don't assassinate them right away. <laughs> Don't say no right away just because they got piercings or because they ride a skateboard. But parents, be patient. And say, hey, what can you tell me about this kid? Not like a police officer in an interrogation room. Okay, nobody likes that. Well, some people might. But none of these kids want to be in an interrogation room. But as part of conversation, and here's why, guys. We got to stick together if we're going to do anything productively. 
We got to stick together. Force, fraud, or coercion. There are people out there posing as high school kids right now. In California, there are 17 kids trafficked locally, 28 total in one high school. One high school. Like a 20-year-old girl, real pretty, walks into high school posing as a 17-year-old. She's got all the nicest clothes on. She walks in with a brand new cell phone, latest fashion, nice shoes. All the boys want to be with her. All the girls want to be her. She's super nice, super friendly. She's not a jerk. She's not stuck up. She's super nice, super cool. Within two weeks, she has convinced 28 people to show up to a house party. And at that house party, most of them were trafficked that night. Some were transported elsewhere. These are dangerous. 20-year-old person, and let's be honest, if a pretty girl walks up to you and says, hey, you want to come to my party? What are you guys going to want to say? Guys, what are you going to want to say? And are you going to tell your mom and dad, hey, the hot chick at school just invited me to a party. I'm going. You going to say that? No, but I promise you, there's something fishy about that if she invites you to a party. Especially if it's been two weeks. You know why? Nobody should do that. I'm not saying you guys shouldn't be. You can come to a party at your youth pastor's house tonight after, after this. If you really want a party, let's go over there. But you see what I'm saying? Within two weeks, she convinced 28 kids just like you guys. 28 kids. It's, it's real. Like, it's happening. She faked, I don't know how she got it, like fake ID, whatever. I don't know how hard it is to enroll in high school anymore. I was homeschooled anyway. So he's like, yeah, part-time public school. But <clears throat> my point is this. Force is only 2%. Fraud and coercion are the rest. So they're promising something and delivering something else, or they're convincing you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do. And guys, when I was your age, I didn't have the wisdom to take on somebody who was wiser than me. I didn't. And traffickers are wiser than you. They just are. But together, you might have a shot. The other thing is, I want you to think about this in, in terms of friendships. You just got to stick together. Okay? You put me by myself, and I can make some stupid decisions. Put me with a couple of good influences, a couple other knuckleheads, but they're good influences. And one of us is going to say, guys, this really is a bad idea. We need to turn the car around. Or guys, we need to not be there. She's like, I'm the knucklehead that says, let's go home. <laughs> so keep that knucklehead in your car and you'll be better, right? But let's, let's be honest, accountability does help. And I recommend three people, not just two. Because then if you take a vote... <laughs> And it has to be unanimous. One can't just convince the other. And by the way, we try to convince ourselves, so why wouldn't we try to convince somebody else? And when we pick somebody to go with us, when we're going to go do bad stuff, we usually pick the ornery friend, the one that we think is going to be, because we want to do it, right? Just like you don't tell your parents about the friend that you know they're not going to like. So let's be honest. Our parents typically have more street smarts than we do. As, as much as we hate to admit it, how many of you would think that your parents have more street smarts than you? 
Parents, don't look. <laughs> don't look. None of them raise their hand, I promise. <laughs> At the end of the day, our kids do want to trust us. I hope that you hear that. At the end of the day, your kids do want you to feed into their life. But you're going to have to kind of come to a, mi- a, a middle ground. By the way, fruit snacks, they can probably have all day. That's probably a safe thing to stop fighting over. Maybe make them pay for them. But if they want fruit snacks, let's let them have it. (laughs) They're like, what is he talking about? That's not a hill to die on. It's not a hot stove issue. Let's die on the right hills. Let's try to focus on the right things. So um, in Cambodia, when we have a lot of coercion and and, um, fraud, most of the time it's a job. Some sort of a job is promised. So here's a sign for you guys. If you think a friend might be at risk of being trafficked, let's just say they show up with an extra device. Okay? So they now have a Wi-Fi iPod, but they have a 64-gig iPhone. Why would they need an iPod? Well, what happens is that iPod is how their trafficker contacts them. And by the way, sometimes... Initially, the trafficker will pay them in, in different technology items because they're stolen. So it doesn't cost them anything. They lift an iPod, they erase it. If it doesn't have the Find Me, it's done. So they give them the iPod so that they can contact them via one of these apps. They text them on the app, hey, meet me at this corner. Hey, Meet me at the gas station by your house. I'll pick you up in 15 minutes. I've got a client, and they're going to pay you big. I'll have you back before curfew. These are things that are happening right now. If you've got friends that have gift cards, a lot of times they'll get paid in gift cards. So if, if your kid shows up with a bunch of gift cards, and they got them from a friend, figure out where that friend got them. Don't just be suspicious of your kid. Let's run the rabbit trail. And you guys run it with your parents because your friend might be at risk. And that's a big deal. So if you guys can begin to take note of some of these things, maybe you can help your friends be safe and you can live with no regrets because you know that you did your part. That when you saw a warning sign, you did something about it. How many of you have ever had a friend who is incredibly depressed? I mean, like suicidal depressed. Anybody? It's okay to raise your hand. By the way, every one of us has had one. Um, we just might not have known it. How many of you were able to approach that friend about it? Notice how many hands were up the first time, and then the rest is like, maybe a little bit. Okay, why, why is it difficult to approach somebody who's suicidal? Anybody? What? They close you off. Absolutely. Their doors are shut. They don't want sunlight in, and you are... Pure sunshine. So stay away from me. What why else? Anybody? They're not fun to be around. Absolutely. Why else? How many of you know how to start that conversation? You don't want them to explode on you. You don't want them to go hurt themselves because you said something wrong. I think that's probably my, my biggest hang up with somebody who's depressed. But I want you to know it's pretty similar with most difficult topics. We don't know how to start it. And we don't want to say it wrong because if we do, then things just blow up. So if I don't start the conversation, we don't have a nuclear blast, right? 
I want you to know that's how the tension is in your homes when big topics need to be discussed. This is one of those things. So here's the best way for, this is my, my tip for you on starting difficult conversations with each other. You ready? I don't know where to start, but bam, you're in. Hey, I don't know how to say this nicely, but we need to have the sex talk tonight. And they're like, ah! Whoever said no, maybe you need to go get ice cream and drive it off. <laughs> hey, I don't know where to start, but you've been down and acting weird lately. Is there something I need to be concerned about? If you don't know how to start the conversation, tell on yourself. Tell on yourself. I'm not perfect, but I'm concerned. And guys, I want you to know I was that kid. 14 and depressed. Mom was diagnosed with cancer, wanted to kill himself, all of that. And nobody knew how to start that conversation with me. And you know what? I was real close to turning to a lot of things that I thought would have helped me out. And now, hindsight, I'm so glad that I had a handful of people that told on themselves. So glad. Yeah. What stopped me from doing those things? Purpose in Jesus. Honestly. And guess who showed those to me? My friends and my family. I had a lot of tough conversations over those years. And, and I still battle today with chronic acute depression. It's like a normal thing for me. It's like a teddy bear that you like carry with you, but you don't want to show anybody because it's a teddy bear and you're 30. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's normal to have rough days. But what we have to do is normalize the conversation. Have to. So parents, kids, get some movies about human trafficking. Get some movie parents. You pick the movies about dating. <laughs> you pick the movie. Go through. Why is this a good decision? Why is this a bad decision? Go watch some movies with bad relationships in them with your kids so you can show them why you didn't like little Timmy down the street because he was a disrespectful jerk. <laughs> but let Hollywood help you share that. You see what I'm saying? Get some assistance and have a little fun. Because if we can't get to the tough stuff, our lives are at stake. I want to share with you a story about a friend of ours. When I was in third grade, so like a long, long time ago, before you were born, in a galaxy far, far away, um, my sister, Jeannie, had this friend, Virginia. And Virginia had a rough home life. I didn't know anything. All I knew was like she had rough stuff going on. She said words I wasn't supposed to say. Um, sometimes she wore the same clothes day after day. Like, I think she wore the same pair of jeans all the time. You know, like certain things like that that didn't quite add up to me at, in a third grade mind. Well, Virginia on the weekends would a lot of times pack her backpack with clothing to just come stay at our house. And I never really understood why. Mom and dad let it happen so that she could come to church with us on Sundays. And Sunday night after church, we'd run Virginia home, and then we'd come home. Every, like, just about every weekend that I can remember. And what I didn't realize was happening is our home was becoming a safe place for a girl who really needed it. I was a little bit annoyed at times because 
there was another teenage girl in my house. And at the time, I didn't realize how lucky I was. I was a third grader. She was tall and could beat me up. <laughs> but here's the thing. Virginia Parker had some stuff at home that she was running from. And our home became a safe place for her. What I didn't realize then, I found out later. My sisters and I went back up to Omaha where, where I grew up. And we were downtown Old Market. Great place to go. We were just eating out at one of our favorite restaurants. And... Um, this lady comes running over to us, and it was Virginia Parker. I hadn't seen this lady since my sister was in sixth grade. She's now a Christian, and she expressed to us how thankful she was for that time in our house because she felt safe. And when she wasn't at her house on the weekends, she wasn't getting abused, neglected, all those things. Our house became a safe place. What I want you guys to know is the only reason that was possible is because my parents and me and my parents and my sisters were all on the same page, that our house was supposed to be a safe place. So we had to deal with our stuff first. Because, by the way, it's always awkward to have a fight with your parents when your friends are over. <laughs> They're like, what are we supposed to do now? Your mom's ticked, and I don't want to be here. Like... They're like texting their mom, pick me up, this place is getting crazy. So you got to deal with your stuff first. But let's start making some compromises and use our houses as a beacon of light to a generation that is being attacked in a way that's never happened before. Child trafficking, sex trafficking is taking on a new form all the time, but there's also abuse, there's also premarital sex, there's people being date raped. There's all kinds of junk in our world. And we have to normalize the conversation. Because as long as we don't know how to tell on ourselves, kids are getting lost further and further. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you guys. But my general feeling is you're pretty cool people. And you might have some cool homes for some broken kids to hang out in. The church shouldn't have to do fifth quarters, in my opinion. The church shouldn't have to do outreach nights. You guys should be doing outreach nights. The church shouldn't be responsible for programming your evangelism. That's your job. Their job is to educate you and equip you. Your job is to get your hands dirty. And when they're ready, bring them to church. When they know who Jesus is because they've hung out in your house with you in your imperfect world. And they get to know who Jesus is. Then bring them to church. But you do the work of evangelizing. You do the work of strategizing. Together. Hey mom, I got this friend. I know his parents are about to go through a divorce. Can we spend some extra time with him over the next three months? Yeah. That would be a good thing. Hey, Mom, I know this, my best friend just lost her cat. Can I ask her parents if we can get her a cat? Give away the cat, please. Give away the cat. Like, they can have my cat. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, you work together. You guys see the needs of your, of your fellow students. You don't even have to be best friends with somebody to begin a relationship. 
when I was in high school, my parents didn't get everything right. In fact, I probably got a list of all the things they did wrong. And it's at least 125 times longer than the list of things they did right. So have a little grace on your parents, okay, guys? They're trying hard, and you're trying harder, okay? <laughs> Let's be honest. We're all running from it, right? Let's give our parents a little bit of grace. There's no manual on you because you're the only you that you are. But my parents got a few things right. They love Jesus with everything. For the most part, they apologized when they did something wrong. For the most part. They didn't always. Sometimes they didn't see eye to eye on what was wrong, though. They still thought they were right. I was a prideful kid. And my parents used our house for Jesus. I never once thought that my TV in that house was mine. But you know what? Every Friday night, my mom gave up her TV so that my friends could come over and watch scary movies. It was awesome. We'd be like right in that scene where somebody's going to get whacked and then a friend would show up from work and bang on the basement door. And everyone would jump out of their shorts. We'd freak out, hit pause. Ten minutes later when we found, finally find Stacy because she's somewhere else in the house because she ran, uh, we'd start the movie again. And then an hour later, somebody else would get off work on a Friday night. Where are they going to go on a Friday night? Probably to a party. Instead, they came to my house. And yeah, we were watching scary movies. Some of them probably weren't the best. But guess who was in the room watching them with us? My mom. And after the movie, sometimes she'd be like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best relationship, was it? She'd do the relationship training with my friends. She'd be telling them, hey, you remember that guy you were talking about earlier? That's him. He deserves to be taken away by the whatever monster, you know? He got what was coming to him. He was a jerk. And that's what my mom did. And guess what? I loved it. I got to adopt out my parents. I got to watch them work with my friends. And they had better advice for my friends than I did. But my mom gave up her TV every Friday night for a bunch of smelly, stinky, hormonal teenagers who are just trying to get through life loving Jesus. By the way, don't ever play Twister. It was a bad idea. We did it once. We threw it away. <laughs> but my mom, that was my mom's idea. I was like, Mom, I don't think we should play Twister. She said, oh, it's fun. And it was bad. Mom, I don't know how to tell you this, but Twister's not cool anymore. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're playing Twister in our house tonight. Um, <laughs> actually, funny story. My mom actually took a mannequin head and put an eyelet in it with a hoodie over it and took fishing line and lined it up behind the TV, an eyelet in the ceiling, and then over her chair, an eyelet, and the line down, and then pinned it to her to the couch where she always sat. So she just went, whoop, whoop, watching Darkness Falls when the guy's in the tree, sees the face, freaks out, whoop. <laughs> Looked like the dude was behind the TV. Awesome. <laughs> I still get texts from my friends. Remember that night, your mom? <laughs> you can have a blast with your parents and your friends, but you've got to start the conversation. 
and you got to trust, and you got to trust. And you got to compromise, and you got to compromise. But it's not a compromise when it's a strategize. Okay? Human trafficking is a big deal in our world, and I can't cover all of it in one night. But what I can do is help you guys understand your parents have a lot more knowledge than you give them credit. And your kids, they need you. They need all of you. And they need the best of you. And when they don't get the best of you, apologize. That's okay. But they need that. And if we together can use our homes as a beacon light in our community, you'll not only have this place that's lit up, but you'll have little pods everywhere be in that house that we talked about this morning, a healing house. Can't tell you how many of my friends, we used to do a family camp out in October all the time. And we'd have 30 people with us. A family of five, we got 30 people at the campground. How does that happen? It's because all of my friends wanted to be around my parents. And sometimes I actually got jealous, I'll be honest. My parents aren't that cool. Can we hang out with your parents? You know, like. But no, mom would make fire food like Dutch oven stuff. All She cooked all weekend. There's 30 people. My parents would save up and take us all out. My sister's friends, my friends, we'd have a blast. It's because we were on the same page about how we used our house. And if you guys can take some simple steps. I told a gentleman today, using your house for Jesus might mean buying a big screen TV and getting red zone so that the guys in your neighborhood would come over and watch football at your house. And one of them's like, yeah, let's do it. But how do you use your house as a safe place to start conversations? How do you use your family like that? And kids, if there's something fishy, tell your parents. And when they react in a way that you don't appreciate, tell them. Hey, mom. When you pull those nails out, man, I want to run away. Like, that's what's, that's what's happening right now. You look threatening to me. I'm telling you this in confidence that you're going to help me through it. And parents, always hear your kid's voice. Because when you can hear that they want to trust you, you've won them over. And if it takes ice cream every once in a while, use it. <laughs> Maybe some popsicles. The strawberry kind. You don't like popsicles? What? Oh, you don't like strawberry? Fair enough. To each his own. More for me. <laughs> Guys, human trafficking is a big deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you, some people in this church need to buy this book and pass it around. You guys all need to read this. It's called Seduced. Sounds like a like a book that you're not allowed to read. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is a book you have to read. Have to read. Let me just go through some of the titles, okay? Um, the E-chasm. Talk, how many of you feel like you could talk technology with your grandparents? How many feel like you could talk technology with your parents? Okay. How many think that your parents need you to understand technology? Oh, wow. You got some pretty progressive parents. That's some pretty good sampling. You guys are... You guys are hip. Well done. <laughs> the e-chasm is talking about how it was when we were kids versus how they are. Even though, they, even though we understand it, we don't get it. Because we didn't have those kinds of, I can get in trouble with my phone more now 
in five minutes than I ever could on my computer when I was a kid. I mean, ever. Like, I could have never gotten in that much trouble with my computer. It have been downloading for days. As soon as I hear steps, I'd have to turn it off and start all over, right? <laughs> you see how much they're laughing? Yeah. I get more trouble with this thing. <laughs> Digital morality. Digital morality. Real quick before we go too much further. Um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want to see them. But this is a conversation you might have with your parents later. Okay? Uh, or your youth sponsors later. There's this thing going around called nudes. Okay? I'm starting a tough conversation right now. Some of you are going, oh, he said nude in church. Sorry. It's there in the beginning. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve, they were nude. Well, nowadays... The stats are this, 93% of all high school seniors before graduating will be solicited for nude pictures. 93% of all. The other three, I think, had flip phones. Or the other 7% had flip phones, right? <laughs> Can you send me a nude? No, I don't have a camera on my phone, dude. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> like, <laughs> guess what? Most of that 93% are sending them. Um, how many of you have Facebook on your phone? Parents, you can raise your hand too. Facebook, wow, none of you have Facebook? You are not hip. I'm taking it back, right? How many of you have Instagram? Okay, that's where the hipsters are now. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Kick, anybody got Kick? I'm so glad nobody has Kick. Not just because it's a Canadian company, but because a girl was trafficked on it and they refused to submit evidence that would have caught her faster, like grabbed her faster. So Kick is an adult sexting site. Their tagline for a long time was this, it's not cheating if you never meet. Yet yeah, tell that to the families. Tell that to the families. I just want to go flatten everybody's tire, but I don't know who uses Kick. But, <laughs> but seriously, here's the other crazy part. Kick has no way of regulating whether you're 18 or older. And all they do is ask you a question. So it's real easy to lie. I mentioned the Clash of Clans deal. That's primarily where those photos down in Louisiana were gotten, was via Kick through Clash of Clans. 1.5 million users of Kick, 750,000 of those are children. And it's supposed to be an adult flirtation site. They need to get some, like, firewalls out, make you put a credit card number in something that would keep a child from being mixed with that kind of company. That, that, to each his own, if they want to do that, that's their decision, right? So unfortunately, I don't agree with it, but if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. But don't allow a child into that room, into that environment, into that front door. 750,000 children on that site. So if, you have, if any of your friends have kick and they start talking to people, please, seriously, Find a way to start the conversation. Hey, I heard that that's like an, a, a site for adults. Yeah, this guy's 19. You're 16. That's weird. Okay? That's weird. So start that conversation. So you can pay attention to some of that. But here's the thing you got to know. Snapchat, 
Snapchat, those pictures sometimes stick around. You know why they had to add the whole, your photo's been snapped notification? Anybody know why? Because people were being blackmailed for their nude photos on Snapchat. And they didn't realize they were kept. Because they didn't realize, they, they didn't think, oh, that's screenshot. Somebody screenshot my photo. So they thought it went away in 15 minutes. Guys, your online activity does not go away in 15 minutes or 15 seconds, whatever it is. I deleted Snapchat from my phone because as a 30-year-old male, I did not need anybody sending me anything that I couldn't refuse. And I don't know if you can refuse it or not, but especially when I was in youth ministry, I just took it off. It's like, if I'm going to talk to my kids, I'll talk to them via Facebook or something else. Or texting. <laughs> I can take a picture with my phone <laughs> and, and send it to you in that Snapchat in a nutshell, right? Except for it's around longer. <laughs> it's the old form of Snapchat. <laughs> it's archaic. It's okay. But here's the thing. Once you guys understand, if you or a friend who's underage, a minor, takes a picture of themselves nude. That is a federal offense. You can be charged with felony government, like federal charges for child pornography, manufacturing it. If you send it, you've now sent it. You've, you've distributed it. If you possess it, that's three in a row. That's three federal offenses you can be punished for. It's important for you to understand. When your parents say don't do this kind of thing, there's more weight to it than just their whipping that they're going to give you. They're trying to protect you. Because these, I, I know a guy that's on a federal sex offender list because he sent it to minors. And he himself is a minor. He's on a sex offender list for the rest of his life. People are going to look up sex offenders in my neighborhood and his name's going to come up. And he still lives with his parents. big deal. These are decisions that maybe have permanent implications. Um, truth in a digital world, uh, not everything on the internet's true. <laughs> Clickbait, somebody's getting paid. You gotta understand, everything you click on, somebody's getting paid. It's on there for a reason. Not every article about everybody you read is true. <laughs> it can be fabricated. There's this thing called Photoshop. Um, fantasy relationships, that's a big deal. Um, we have a Romeo complex, Romeo-Juliet complex. We take five facts about a person, we fill in the blanks. Parents, I'll share with you a story when, we, when it's just us about that. But guys, have you ever made up facts about somebody, like in your brain, just kind of figured that they're a nice person or figured that they're a gentleman? Yeah, we all do it. We assume a lot, but when it's a digital age, there's a lot more to assume. And so there's actually psychologists studying this whole fantasy relationship uh, because you're not actually in a relationship if you don't see each other. Um, it's a different kind of thing. Um, and then the chapter 10 is uh, how to report signs of trafficking, suspicions of trafficking, and uh, signs to look for. So great book, great resources for everybody. Uh, I would recommend reading it and then going over it together um, as, a, as a family exercise. You can probably get together with three or four families and discuss it, and it'll be pretty decent.